When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the one on the show on the internet where myself, Dan Selke, editor of WinnersComing.net, and Mia Johnson, editor of DorksHunterTheForest.net, talk all, talk com, sorry, talk, talk all <laughs> things. Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, Star Wars, Mandalorian, horror, movies, TV, anything and everything, drama, detective, movie, I don't know. Um, available live right here on Facebook.com and YouTube.com or in audio form on, you know, iTunes, Google Play, where podcasts are sold. Mia, how are you on this most glorious Wednesday? Um, given any other circumstances, I'd probably be feeling a little better. Um, I am living, I am surviving, and I think that's the best I can do right now. <laughs> right, yeah. I almost forgot. You know, like, in the hub of, like, prepping for this show, it does take all my attention, which is nice, and then I forget. Yeah. About, you know, <laughs> um, but, you know, we're here. If you're stressed, if you're, if you're feeling um, like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, we're here to distract you with some fun content. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for this Man, all day. And, what's that? So I've been waiting for this all day. <laughs> Glad to hear it. If any of you all out there have any questions for us or one thing you want to talk about, feel free to sound off. What's I thought? I thought we would start with going over to the I just got in the mail from our uh, wonderful friends at HBO. The Game of Thrones Complete Collection 4K Ultra HD box set. All eight Whoa. seasons of the show in an incredibly fancy package in this box. lays oh. there. And, oh, wait, Mia, the box is empty. But after all oh. the discs. Lost in the mail. Or were they? Okay. Um, strap in, the current viewers. are going to go on a bit of a flight here. I feel like I have to do the audio narration for anyone in podcasts. Dan lifts his computer and brings us to his couch. <laughs> is the complete Game of Thrones collection Ultra HD 4K box set. Wow, wow, wow. Story. It is pretty cool. Like, as you can see, we got eight different little segments for each of the eight seasons. Each has like three to four discs. Some of them are open like this. They're got a little quote on the back. Fire cannot kill a dragon. I didn't know that. The fronts are very, very neat. I think this is for season five here. I think we're looking at the... Um, oh, I think we're looking at Arya's coin. She flips into oh. the bay in Bravos. Very specific. Bella Morghulis, yeah. Um, just very, very well put together. Very nice. Very fancy. And of course, the content inside is 
Game of Thrones rendered in Ultra HD 4K. Oh. Like oh you. Oh my goodness. Is that a dog? Does a dog come with the DVD set? I guess if you purchase it, you can find out. But <laughs> also, no, I guess I should say that it does not. It is not. <laughs> there he is. For legal reasons. <laughs> so, hi, Scruffy. So, yeah, that is the Ultra HD Game of Thrones collection. Mia, are you interested in sort of uh, that kind of thing, like Ultra HD Super Collector's Editions editions? You know, I need to upgrade my TV. Look, I've got this, if we're going on a tour, I've got this humongous TV right here that I inherited. And it's just HD, but it's like only HD. So I'm like, the quality comes in really good. So I'm not like hunting down like 4K TVs right now, i.e., I am sort of interested in these box sets because I know like eventually I'll upgrade to a 4K TV. But right now I'm still like in the stone ages with uh, what is that 1080p. <laughs> I got to tell you, like, I never really cared overly about these kind of things like the uh-huh. to get like the absolute crystal clarity can't beat it picture. I mean, yeah. on a show like Game of Thrones, it does help because that show was very opulently, lavishly produced. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the costumes are, like, good enough to maybe get all up in there and see, like, every stitch in Cersei's gown as you can <laughs> on the 4K release. Yeah. So, I see how it's worth it. I mean, one cool thing is, you know that episode of the final season, the uh, the long night everyone complained was too dark and couldn't say anything? Oh, yeah. I mean, it is true. <laughs> That on the 4K release, you'll be able to see everything. Like oh, I bet. <laughs> they will show you the episode as it was intended to see. So there are times when a visual things like that can really improve the experience. Most of the time, I'm kind of of the opinion that, like, if the content's good, it's good. Um, yeah. And, I mean, let's be honest. I, I wouldn't have paid for this myself. Um, I, we got sent this because it's, like, $200 or something. But if you're – if because there are definitely people who are into that, you know, who are, like mm-hmm. – I don't. I mean, I don't know what I would call them. Like, um, tech aficionados who just yeah. love the idea of everything in 4K and Ultra HD. And there are more pixels than there are in the real world. And I can see every little <laughs> of everything. And who yeah. want that kind of stuff? And who love it? Yeah. And that's great. Um, I'm certainly glad to have it. I might be getting rid of my other um other Game of Thrones videos I bought over the years because who needs them now? Only out of a 4K TV. <laughs> only out of a 4K TV. <laughs> So yeah, I figure at some point 4K is gonna, you know, just be normal enough for us to eventually all upgrade to it. But yeah, like literally every I don't have a huge like, I guess DVD is archaic now, but I don't have a huge DVD collection. But when I do collect, I still do make sure it's in 4D because I'm like, at some point, this other stuff is going to become obsolete anyway. And, you know, you're going to have to go to a junkyard to find a DVD player and all that. Plus, it's good to just, you know, of course, always have physical copies. So if you haven't yeah, gotten one true. before, this is your chance. I mean, streaming is the wave of the future, but uh, we know that things can like go off streaming. They can be on for a while and then leave. Mm-hmm. You never know what's going to be there forever. Um, okay, really quick question because actually, I don't know. So, like, do you need like a, a thing that's not a, a a 4K disc? Can that play on a Blu-ray player or even like a different machine? I th- mm. this is how non-technical I, th- I am. About <laughs> <Yeah. this stuff. laughs> I think you can have. 4K Blu-ray. I feel like um, if Richard is behind the scenes, he might know this one better than us. But I know for sure, like the old Blu-rays, like are not 4K, and it's kind of like you need to have the player compatibility and then the TV compatibility as well. 
That's as far as I know. So yeah. Four K player. <laughs> yeah. Mia's correct though. Like you're gonna need a four K TV, but you'll just need a PlayStation Four. Anything that plays Blu-rays. Okay. Yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. Okay, fine. <laughs> but it won't like show like the super 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 ultra stuff until I get a four K TV. Right? Exactly. Yes. You'll just be watching it in 1080. Like some there kind of go. idiot chump. Okay. Well, I still have them, <laughs> and I'm still pretty happy about it. Maybe a four K TV eventually. So yeah. Um, I think Louis says here. That uh, he has them all already in Blu-ray, plus movies anywhere or onto my collection on Voodoo already, which is true. I mean, mm-hmm. this kind of thing is geared toward like the hardcore collectors, right? Yeah. This is geared toward <laughs> people who have to have the pristine, the best version of the Game of Thrones experience in the coolest of boxes that is now empty. But yeah, I mean, of course yeah. I get it if you already have them on DVD and you're like, I'm not spending $200 on a very, very fancy box. That's fine. But yeah, it, it's, it's, it's very cool for collectors. It's very cool people who just, for like, I guess, completionists or folks who want to have mm. the tip-top champagne-level experience yeah. with Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yep, yep. Good for movie nights and all that stuff. Oh, very much. And I mean, you know, we'll be in lockdown for a while longer, so <laughs> might as well have uh, a <laughs> stuff of things to do. Anyway, Mia, uh... Any other comments on that? Any other questions about the amazing Game of Thrones complete collection 4K Ultra HD box set? Oh, no, no, no questions here. It's out already? Yeah, it was out yesterday. Cool, cool. Indeed. All right, so other TV news. There are other things happening in the world of fantasy, sci-fi, so on and so forth. For example, um, we have news of more productions kind of shutting down again now that the coronavirus spikes are kind of uh, coming back with a vengeance. Like I think the Witcher just had to sort of um, wind down some of its production in certain parts of Europe. And then they're going to shoot inside the wheel of time, the poor wheel of time show, which Amazon has been working on. I believe they were shooting like middle of last year and then they had to take a long break and then they came back. And now because they were filming in the Czech Republic, which is, I believe had like the highest number of per capita cases in the world um, like earlier this week had to shut down before it did. I, I, I wanted to highlight it for a second because a, it's a really cool upcoming series, this big mm-hmm. splashy fantasy show that has a real chance of kind of becoming a beloved must watch fantasy epic event. And because we had some cool pictures from it that I hadn't seen before, like, I know that we talked about Wheel of Time a little bit before on this uh, channel. <laughs> kind of fairly, it starts out like a very, fairly basic, like Lord of the Rings kind of epic journey with a dude named Rondal Thor, who's a chosen one type who <laughs> must go and defeat the Dark One. You know, we've seen it before. Yeah. But I mean, 14 books long, it goes in some interesting directions where the characters don't do what you'd expect. <laughs> and I thought this picture was pretty cool. Like here we have them at on set in the Czech Republic, and that is actor Joshua Stradowski as mm-hmm. Randall Thor. I believe he's Dutch. I don't know for sure. You know, looks like a pretty standard sort of fantasy oeuvre thing going on there, right? You get the yeah. bow with the boy now, the boy with the bow and arrow. I mean, it looks kind of generic, but I think that's kind of the appeal of Wheel of Time is that it has some like really traditional fantasy trappings. Like, you can mm-hmm. tell the guy liked Lord of the Rings a lot. Like, you have bows, you have arrows, you have kind of, you know, ancient monster creatures, not quite elves, but yeah. sort of thing like that. You have wizards, you have sorceresses. I guess you only have wizardesses, sorceresses. 
You have <laughs> magic. You have, you know, going from town to town, sleeping in inns, on the run from evil beings who are trying to chase you down. You have things that are basically orcs, but they're not called orcs. They're called trollocs. <laughs> Just don't get it wrong. Um, all that stuff and a big conversation from good and evil. It's, it's, it's a very kind of a, it's rooted in that traditional fantasy stuff, but then it really kind of branches out and does some things that J.R.R. Tolkien didn't think to do in terms of like a, the more kind of uh, contradictory characters and just the length and the detail <laughs> that he goes into. Yeah. And I think it's worth highlighting because I'm pretty excited about it. That's cool. Yeah, it's an exciting photo. They've got the pyrotechnics going. I'm just looking at those two red. I don't know if those are propane tanks or what, but maybe they're getting ready to blow something up. And I'll take a good explosion any day. It always excites me. <laughs> yeah, that's actually not part of the set, right? It's like for some <laughs> right. kind of fire thing. Shoot the arrow at the tank. <laughs> and hello, Jen. Good to see you. We just went over the... Game of Thrones Complete Collection, HD. Oh, and I think Scruffy has just knocked one down. Yes, he did. Oh, no. This on the floor. Oh, well, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> He's anxious to start watching. Yes, exactly. Mia, I think we, we, we have to talk about this, right? Uh, this week marked the return of one of your favorite shows and my favorite shows, new shows mm-hmm. that are on The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus the streaming service. This is the first ever live action Star Wars program. And, you know, the first season was a big hit. The Mandalorian and Baby Yoda was all anyone could talk about, their adventure. And the premiere finally came back, The Marshall, just a year after the first season went off, which is actually kind of pretty quick yeah. <laughs> um, compared to what a lot of things go through now. And I guess, Mia, what I want to hear from you basically is what do you think? Cool. Yeah, I'll give you my initial thoughts uh, because, and I won't say I hate it. I definitely did not hate it. it <laughs> so that's well, we had our little exchange on, um, you know, between the Wick account on Twitter. So I just wanted to clear the air, like I don't hate it. I actually really, really loved it. Uh, and <laughs> the first episode, at least to me, okay, and maybe uh, really quick, I'm just gonna yeah. go and pick up the disc that that I dog drop. Yeah. I'm listening. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. So the first episode for me was at least my first impression i was still very excited i think i was just kind of on edge i stood up till two o'clock you know when it came out and it released on disney plus yeah (laughs) i had to because i was like i'm gonna you know what i want to get a review out like as soon as possible i don't want to have to like wait you know sleep and do all those things i want to you know be able to to hear from our writers too what they think so I was, yeah, I was very surprised. There were a lot of surprises in store for this first episode. I so loved uh, Timothy Oliphant and his new, this new role. And I really hope he comes back. I'm trying to be as spoiler free as possible just in case, you know, to give people time oh, to be like, you know. Like, I will say, Timothy Oliphant looks good with a beard. Like, yeah. I've always thought him kind of like glassy looking in the face. Yeah. But I was like, oh, that works for you. Keep that. Yeah. Yeah. The rugged look definitely works. Like I've seen him, yeah, clean shaven. I was like, mm, no, that doesn't. This this is your look now. <laughs> clean shaven. He kind of looks like like a Ken doll that's like a, like a mint in box thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like too, it's like very smooth and sort of an uncanny yeah. valley way. But yeah. the beard was great. I was like, wear a beard always. Yeah, so that's some depth and texture to him. <laughs> it's an artistic work of, you know. But anyway, so 
I really like this. I, th- I think it's really hard for me to not talk about the spoilers now, so I guess this is kind of like the final one. Unless you had a non-spoiler kind of review thing to say. Oh, sure I do. Oh, the first Jen just asked, um, uh-huh. I heard The Witcher was canceled. Any truth to that? No, I have not mm-hmm. heard that at all. I did hear that The Witcher had to um, stop production. Like, it's a, it's, it's a on-location shooting for a while because the coronavirus, Jen is, uh, you know, running rampant throughout Europe, and um, it's shutting down a lot of sets, but they're just going in to shoot stuff indoors now, and they'll go back when it's safe again. It is not canceled. If it was, I'd be shocked. That show was pretty <laughs> successful. Yeah, yeah. But no, um, I adored it. I, uh, I I thought it was great. I thought it was, like, my fear with The Mandalorian this entire time has been I am looking forward to it, but I was afraid because we kept hearing all these things about, like, oh, we're going to bring in Boba Fett and we're going to bring in Ahsoka Tano and we're going to bring in all these like old Star Wars characters. I, th- I thought I was afraid it was going to ruin like the simplicity of just the Mando and Baby Yoda show where these two rascals go around the guys and have an adventure <laughs> to solve mysteries. But this first episode I thought was wonderful. I thought yeah. it was so, I mean, it was, this show is such a Western. Like it, it loves Western so much. It, it's kind of like making them cool again, which has yeah. never really been done, although yeah. it's been tried many, many times. <laughs> Where, this like, one was that, really in your face about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the whole show is always playing that, though. You know, with, like, the the music theme, like, don't do wah, wah, oh, wah. Yeah. Like, what's the Mandalorian theme? I can't hear it in my head. Oh, no. Whatever, it's there. I'll sing the whole thing. So Mando and Yoda go to this, like, you know dusty desert talisman attacked by bandits and harassed by a giant creature and it's just and you know and they have to help the local lawman you know bring peace it's so western it hurts (laughs) but it doesn't feel forced like Mm -hmm. it feels really natural and just a part of the story they're telling that these characters like aren't acting this way because John Favreau really liked a fistful of dollars and he's just like transcribing it. <laughs> it their yeah. actions make sense in context. And just the little grace notes are great. Like th- they go out to kill the giant crate dragon or the big monsters harassing them. And like baby Yoda's just like kind of popping out like behind the rocks, just yeah. like a little touch like that. Um, I thought it built slowly. It was a lot. It was the longest episode they'd had yet, but it didn't feel mm-hmm. long at all. And, and it's still, it, it wasn't complicated. Um, yeah. You know, there was a clear goal, kill the dragon and team up with these sand folk to do it. And that was, that was it really. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> and that was a great through line. And they filled the time with all this atmosphere and are all these like, again, like very Western, like they got the townsfolk together in that bar and they're like, we got to team up. And they're like, no, we don't no, like the bandits. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt very, very like blazing saddles, but serious for, for that bit. <laughs> And yeah. um, I thought it went down really, really well. The effects were great. The storytelling was assured and such such a confident show. And um, and they're weaving in kind of the seeds, that's a mixed metaphor, of, of future stories. But again, not in a way that takes away from like, this is a discreet episode, a fun story to watch. And you can, like, I, I think you could watch this episode, not only not having seen Star Wars, probably not having seen like the first season of the Mandalorian and still enjoy oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's how like direct a yeah. line it had to sort of my imagination and my enjoyment. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I will bring up, and this is the thing that I'm, now that we're in season two, I can't tell if I'm struggling with it or if it's something, you know, I'll just be okay with. And it is the fact that I think someone on the ringer was like, you know, what if the Mandalorian was just a procedural, you know, like every single episode was just like this kind of like a standalone. Um, and to me, it's hard because. I, uh, I've always compared this. The closest thing I can get to is Doctor Who because it's really just like one episode, one adventure. Yeah, sure. And then you've got X amount of episodes to kind of also complete whatever the heck is going on in the story arc. But Doctor Who is still a little bit longer every season. Like eight episodes is really keeping it tight, especially like when you're aiming for under an episode for every hour. Yeah, I mean, so, I would say, like, Doctor Who doesn't have a giant crate dragon that comes out of a mountain and spews acid <laughs> everybody either. Like, have you ever seen any special effect on Doctor Who that was even close to that? The answer is um, no. Yeah, yeah. I think they've upped their budget within this last season. But it, I think it depends on, right, the kind of, like, you know, the value that you're getting out of this. Because, like, with Doctor Who, you don't always need huge special effects, but they're good on the humor and they're good on the heart. Mm-hmm. Almost in the way Mandalorian is, for sure. That's but good for me, yeah, the problem, or not, well, this was upon my rewatching with my dad, who was like the complete opposite of me. And I was so excited to show him this episode because I had watched it and I was ready to rewatch it. And his problem was that he would have preferred it to be more of like, okay, we just built up all of these things last season with Baby Yoda, with Moth Gideon, um, you know, Giancarlo Esposito. And even, you know, people like Carl Weathers and, um, um, Cara Dune played by, you know, G- Gina, Gina Carano. Carano. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like mixing everybody up, but you know, we didn't get those people in this episode. We did get Amy Sedaris, who it's not really Amy like, a, she was so awesome though. She wasn't like a super, you know, pivotal player in this compared to somebody like Moff Gideon or Kara or Grief Cargo like nice or even the armor. cameos though. I also like John yeah. Leguizamo, a surprise cameo. At the oh top. yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah. So I think right now what I'm struggling between is kind of like for a finale, uh, not a finale, for a premiere, I was like, you know, it's not really your typical premiere where they kind of throw everything at you. This really just felt like chapter 10, like, hey, we're just keeping this saga going and it may be billed as a premiere, but it's really just kind of a continuation of everything that we left off on. So that's where I'm kind of in the middle. I'm like, do I want this to go fast or do I want it no. to go slow and just be the adventures of Baby Yoda and Mando? Yes. <laughs> I think your dad's nuts. That is my favorite <laughs> thing about the show. I love that it's not diving into like, and now last week on The Mandalorian, you know, Moff Gideon made a deal with this guy. And now we're going to mm-hmm. see the consequences of that. I love that. I love so much <laughs> that in a TV landscape, post Game of Thrones, where it's all about pay attention to every single scene because it's all going to build. You know, like it's Game of Thrones was like the ultimate serialization, right? No episode, mm-hmm. no episodes like stood alone, really. It was all like yeah. one big kind of story. And that's fine. That's great if, if you can do it well. But everyone's doing that now. And I yeah. love that The Mandalorian is kind of more old school about it and just doing, here's a discreet story about, you know, them fighting a giant dragon with Timothy Oliphant. I hope <laughs> Timothy Oliphant never shows up again. I would love it if these are just kind of left in their own. I, Because I feel like we're not getting that on TV now. Yeah. Everything people are making is this like long, drawn-out narrative where if you miss one episode, you're out. Mm-hmm. And 
Like those are the kind of shows that are getting the big budgets. And here's a show confident enough to just kick it old school a bit and do, I mean, um, you know, individual episodes, they're still going to connect. I mean, at, at the end oh, yeah. of it, we had Mr. Mysterious Boba Fett. Boba Fett showed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, like, that's clearly going to go somewhere. There is an overall plot. Moff Gideon's mm-hmm. going to show back up again. But it's going to be more like it was in the 90s or 80s, where, like, you'll have kind of standalone episodes, then you'll have, like, your story episodes that move the plot forward. And I find that incredibly refreshing. Yeah. I could not disagree more with your dad. <laughs> I think for me, it's kind of like, I don't know if dissonance is the right word, but uncomfortableness for sure, because I would say for the last six years, we've, or at least I've been conditioned now to, you know, follow that Netflix model. You mm-hmm. know, every episode you're hanging on to a thread and you're, you know, trying to binge through everything. And so it's kind of like this unconditioning, like, you know, I'm on edge. I'm like, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen? Next? It's like, okay, just relax, peel it back, scale it back a bit and just enjoy, you know, the story that we're trying to tell. And you weren't like, and, and, and you weren't like getting a little sick of that format. Cause frankly, I was starting to, <laughs> which yeah. is why this is a breath of fresh air to me. The oh yeah. 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 I think it, it is. It's finally kind of just like, you know, pushing me into the water or pushing me out, whichever way you want to think of it and being like, you know, it's okay. You're safe. You don't have to be in this mindset anymore. You know, you, you can enjoy Free just this one off. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how it feels. But anyway, yeah. Going back to the plot though, overall, I, I loved it so much. And it really did feel like, especially with that introduction of Timothy Oliphant and he had his Boba Fett armor on. And it was like, you know, (laughs) that too. It was like they were, you know, doing this little trick in front of you, you know, being like, haha, you know, it's him, isn't it? But it's not, you know, you find out Timmy Oliphant. And so I was really excited. This was an emotional journey. I was like, oh my God, it's him. And then I was like, but wait a minute, something's wrong. And then you find out it's not him. So you go the entire episode being like, well, they acknowledged Boba Fett died. He's got his armor on. You know, it's over for him. I was like, you know, I appreciated the little gimmick at the beginning. And then at the very end of the episode, right, Tamir Morrison is there's like, oh, <laughs> they really are going to do this. That was clever. So that, yeah, that blew me out of the water for sure. The show has these clever little moments. I mean, like, again, it, it, it's a very... It's it's purposely not terribly deep. I mean, none of the characters on it are like have the depth of like a Cersei Lannister or something. Mm. But because that's the kind of show that it is, it, it is this very simple kind of like archetypal archetypal. I don't know if that's a good word. Show <laughs> where the characters kind of have their roles and they play mm-hmm. them out, and the conflicts are all simple. Like the bandits are attacking us, the monster is attacking us. Even like the main character, I love how much conviction he has. We're just like. He obviously really cares about getting this armor back. Yeah. And um, <laughs> but he can still bend and kind of work with him if he has to. Ugh, what a wonderful show. I'm oh, yeah. really into it, and I am looking forward to the next one very much. Oh yeah, I am too. And I hope Another- the next one, mm-hmm. I want like a few standalone ones and then give me a story. But no, I am fully against. Please do not bring back Moff Gideon until like a couple things <laughs> in. Like, I th- be strong enough to just do individual ones. Do it. I do think if I were to do it, I might have gone a little bit stronger on the, the lore and the story in the first episode and then, you know, kind of have this <laughs> slow down towards episode number two. <laughs> but yeah, it should hopefully, you know, should be another good one. I'll be up till 2 a.m. again or 2 to 3, basically, watching the next episode. But it's, 
it's at 2 a.m. and 2 a.m. Central, Central time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great Disney. I wish for they would the push love, that back a little bit. For love of Star Wars. Before we go, I also wanted to talk about just briefly, um, and as we all know, uh, Sean Connery, legendary actor, passed away, I believe, on Halloween on Saturday at the age of 90. And Jesse now didn't feel right to do this without taking a second mm-hmm. to talk about him a bit. Obviously, uh, James Bond, the first James Bond, although I think there was like a different movie before that nobody remembers or cares about, but he was he's the original on-screen James Bond and oh, probably yeah. still the best. Josh Hill would love it. Um, you know, Indiana Jones, Temple of the Last Crusade, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, Humphrey Red October, great one. Mm-hmm. Finding Forrester, one of the first um, internet memes ever. You're the man now, dog. Mm-hmm. That was him. <laughs> oh, wow. And just, yeah. he was um, a really charismatic actor. The Untouchables is a great movie. Do you have any memories of Sean Connery or any like opinions of him in general or just not really ever connected with him anyway? Yeah, it's kind of a weird, you know, I just kind of always knew him as James Bond, kind of like the really oh, yeah. iconic one. I don't think like as a kid outside of Pierce Brosnan, like if you would ask me who else was James Bond, I would tell you Sean Connery and then tell you have a nice day. <laughs> um, love, you know, the way he talks, you know, uh, oh, Sean Connery. Uh, what, a, what a magnificent accent he had. And again, yeah. 90, what a, you know, a wonderful age to live through. So. Yeah. That was yeah. a long life. I read earlier that he was actually offered parts in big, like he was offered a part in Jurassic Park. He turned it down. He was yeah. offered a part in the Matrix. He turned it down. I think like Morpheus. He was offered Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings. He turned it down. And there is some stuff going around like, you shall not pass. Like how he would have said that. <laughs> that <would> have been- <laughs> I mean, he didn't need any of that. He obviously no, yeah. had plenty of iconic roles uh, before that. But, um, yeah, he was definitely a kind of vestige of an earlier age of Hollywood. Not that it's a good or a bad thing, but he, he definitely was an icon mm-hmm. and it's sad to lose him. But at 90 years old, that's definitely a full life. So enjoy your time in the afterlife, Sean Connery, if that's where you are. <laughs> Have a nice time. Because oh, I, I wish I had more to say about him. I really don't. <laughs> um, any other thoughts or things you want to talk about me before we sign off for the week? Hmm. No, I think I am all done. Netflix is making like an Assassin's Creed universe oh, of shows. Yeah, I I like saw that at the corner of my eye at some point. Um, which I've never played Assassin's Creed, and out of all the games, I've never really kept up with them. Um, but they've got a lot going for them to kind of. I know we've had this huge, you know, conversation about. <laughs> you know, video games becoming movies and TV shows. So I kind of have hope for this. Um, this is kind of like an upturn in video game <laughs> adaptation. So I think they can pull it off. What I don't like is that they're going, again, it, it's my complaint about Shared Universe all the time. They're going right to like, let's make three Assassin's Creed shows, like a live action one, an animated one, something else. Uh-huh. Like no one just starts with, let's make one <laughs> thing anymore. Because yeah. they, they all, what, what they all want a Marvel Cinematic Universe on day one mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. what they're going for, which is impossible. You can't do that. Yeah. So I'm irritated, but I'm usually irritated. So that's something really new. <laughs> oh, no, and yeah, well. The Witcher is not canceled. In fact, there are new picks of kind of the uh, changed up armor coming through. So that's fine. They're also making a Dungeons and Dragons TV show. I think doesn't have a home yet. 
Also cute. That's probably time for that. I'm kind of shocked it doesn't happen already, to be honest. Yeah. Never played it myself, <laughs> so I'm like... <laughs> It seems to me, though, you can really kind of do anything with Dungeons oh, & Dragons because you make it up as you go anyway. <laughs> and I mean, again, this is me. Yeah. yeah, you just kind of start with, you know, swords and, I mean, literally swords and sorcery and then just kind of let your imagination run from there. So a TV show, you can <laughs> kind of have carte blanche do whatever. Yeah, it seems. Hmm. I'm just I'll glad the fantasy revolution then. isn't over. There's more on the way. Oh, That was yeah. about it. Yeah. Oh, Ron Howard. Ron Howard. <laughs> Uh, said something about Solo in you know, this. He was talking about the possibility of, because everyone's like, will you make a sequel to this movie, even though it bombed, even though I liked yeah, it. Who's asking that? Yeah, I don't know. There's some people out there in our Twitter feed who are like, you know, they want Solo too. Um, and so basically Ron Howard was like, well, you know, we're not per se making any movies or TV shows with Disney Plus right now. He's like, but... There are some parts about the gangster scenes, you know, in Star Wars that we utilize in this movie, kind of like, you know, Jabba the Hutt and all those other criminals. So, hey, maybe we might get another Star Wars spinoff. Doesn't that make you excited? Right now, I think Mandalorian is plenty. (laughs) And we'll talk about it more. And, of course, many other things in the worlds of fantasy, sci-fi, space lasers, dragons, etc. and so forth. Um, every week here on Take the Black Live on the Winners Coming Facebook page every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, we'll see you back here then. Thanks for watching, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Fansite. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.